whether it's economic, whether it's a decision I need to make, whether it's someone I need to talk to, whatever it is, that is grace. And grace giving is just that. It's just, God, what would you have me to do? And then doing it. Good evening. So good to be back with you tonight. Had a, had a very wonderful day. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to do tonight. I, uh, my heart's full hearing that good singing and, and uh, just spending time with you all. I, I like missions conferences. It's, uh, like I said, it's a time where people ask God what He'd want them to do. I mean, that is, that is the heartbeat of Christianity, isn't it? Uh, every other religion is about a following a set of rules and the do's and don'ts. But, and as much as I believe in every single word that God preserved in this, in this precious book, in English, I believe it's the King James Bible, I also believe there's a living God. And if I ask him questions, I know that he wants to answer me. He wants to answer his son. He wants to answer his daughters. And he wants to show them his will. So that's special about uh, missions. It's just basically the overriding attitude that a Christian should have in everything. But uh, we spend, usually good churches spend missions conference times to do that. There's a couple of themes I see in the Bible uh, that just seem to interweave into all, all things. I was talking to someone about it just before the service. Uh, they were talking about talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and the fear we encounter. Uh, a lot of our battles are, are faith and fear. A lot of our battles are just realizing this is what God wants me to do. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. My flesh detests it. And on the other hand, God and His Spirit and His Word are saying, Son, daughter, you can trust me. Uh, you go ahead and talk to that person about the Lord Jesus Christ. You take that step of faith in whatever it is in your life, and, and that's an ongoing theme you'll have in your life. Uh, if there's things you're fearful of, I mean, I'm not talking about a healthy fear. There are things we should be fearful of. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. But there's a lot of carnal fears that you and I have. And uh, the best way to, to battle those is, is just, Lord, help me. Help me. Give me that strength. Give me the courage to follow your faith in, in what it is. Another consistent theme I see in the Bible is that uh, in the first few chapters of, of the Bible, we see man breaking God's perfect law. And uh, as soon as man does that, God reaches out to try and restore that broken fellowship. And then at the last few chapters of the Bible, basically that all, it happens. The new Jerusalem comes down, and what was lost in Eden, God has done together. So uh, God is a reconciling God. He's a restoring God. He, he's a God who looks at sinful humanity, at people who've wrecked things, and uh, He says, I want to help you. I want to bring you back. And uh, I, I believe mature Christians are reconcilers, and again, that's a missions themes too, isn't it? Uh, we're supposed to be reaching people who are lost, reaching people who are out of the way. And so that makes... Uh, missions conference is very, very special. Uh, I'm going to have uh, three points tonight. The people, uh, the, the theme is grace giving, and the people of grace giving, the portrait of grace giving, and the proof of grace giving. I wanted to stick to P's, so the, the portrait, uh, basically meaning the definition. Uh, what does it look like? What does grace giving look like? And if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll read a portion of scripture regarding to what grace giving is and see our biblical example first or second corinthians chapter 8 and we're going to read verses 1 through 9 
2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in the trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore is he abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that ye through his poverty might become rich. And I'm going to just jump to uh, chapter 10, verse 16. These three chapters deal with grace giving. And uh, just a little before the end of the chapter, Paul says this, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Uh, so the, the Macedonian churches were, good, were a good example to the Corinthian church here. The Corinthian church was a wealthy, they lived in a wealthy place. They lived in a trade route. Uh, people went there to do their business. Uh, it's these Math Macedonian churches, these were out, uh, out country people, if you want to say this. And these people, these humble people, these poverty-stricken people, were an example to rich people on how to give. He used, uh, and Paul used these poor churches as an example to these churches of what faith giving is. And uh, there's two great paradoxes here. Uh, first, you see here how in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, there, there's something contrary there. There's something ironic there. And, and we can think of the Apostle Paul. There, were, uh, there was a time where he was thrown into an inner dungeon, and he sang. And he didn't sing because he'd lost his mind. He sung because he knew he was in God's perfect will. And somehow... God was doing something. You know, if you are following God's will, if you're surrendered to what he wants, and things don't go the way you're planned, you're all right. And the Apostle Paul knew that. And so here he's saying these churches were in affliction. Most people in North America don't know what it's like to be poor. I mean really poor. To not worry about what, it, what they're going to eat. Uh, this is, we have great abundance, and we need to praise the Lord for that. And uh, some of you know people who have been poor, and some of you know what it is, know, <laughs> have known what it is to be hungry. And the Apostle Paul is saying, these type of hungry, poverty-stricken people uh, showed us what it is to be generous. And he's sharing this with the people in the Corinthians. And these people, though they were in affliction, they had great joy. The world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand how in troubled times and in difficult times you can have joy. Uh, they certainly couldn't understand how Paul could do it, how Paul could sing when he was going through troubled times. And the world will not understand, think back during COVID times, how the world had seemingly lost his mind. How many non-Christians do you know that were legitimately scared, that they didn't know what to do? 
I praise the Lord, most Christians, I, I can't think of a single Christian that acted that way. I mean, Christians were concerned, and that's okay, we need to be sensible, but the world think, was, was thinking, that there's no hope, this is it, this is the end. It's nice being a Christian, isn't it? We know as bad as things get, you know, the Lord's not, the Lord's not worried. And so these people know, though they were in affliction, they could still have joy because they were following God's will, even, even in economic matters here. He, talk, he talks about they abounded onto the riches of their liberality. So even though they were poor, they were generous people. That's humbling. I know a pastor in Uruguay. I love him dearly. He's planted several churches. And uh, he's a Uruguayan man. And he's a good man. And he was trying to, to there was a church that had kind of died. And he had gone back there. He was trying to start it up again. And, and that's kind of his passion to just to to plant churches and start up churches that are dying. And he got himself a small group of people, and this old lady was coming to his church, and one day she gave him an egg. And uh, <laughs> people in Uruguay are more humble than here, but even to give somebody an egg is kind of, you know, it's a pretty small thing to give someone. But he's a pastor and he's a Christian. He said, thank you, ma'am, for, giving, for offering your egg. And so he took that. And he just talked about the humble people he was able to put together. That lady, when she died, she gave her property to the church. And that's where their church building is. And he believes uh, that egg was a down payment for their church. That's how he looks at it. And Paul is saying here, humble people are showing rich people how they ought to give. They had abundance of joy, and they, had, they, they, they were generous despite their poverty. The Bible says here they gave not to their power, but beyond their power in verse 3. They, they, Paul was looking at these people and saying, you can't do this, and yet they would do it. They would give generously. They would give beyond their power, the Bible says. They were willing for God to use them. They had an open heart and said, Lord, whatever you want, I trust you. And they gave by grace, and they gave through faith. And so I, some people call it faith promise giving. Uh, I like to call it grace giving, uh, because I think that's, in this chapter, the Bible uses grace five times, and the next chapter, two more times. Uh, and I believe giving is a grace of God. And we're going to go through what that is. There's four, um, so the pathway to grace. The pathway of grace giving. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think grace is something, there's several definitions to grace. It's God's unmerited favor, God's undeserved love. A good definition, I, I'll give you a good definition a little a bit later, but it, grace is something we get from God, and we, and we get it because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, uh, he Paul says, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. He's talking about giving. He says, this is this poor, poor church and this is what they've done for the Lord. Now, God's growing in you and God's working in you, but I want, I want the Lord to work in this grace too of your giving. See, sometimes, it's, it's sometimes ironic, isn't it? That sometimes people who don't have much are generous. And sometimes people who have a lot are, who say this in Uruguay, if someone's cheap, tacaño, 
codo, his elbow. They say that because if someone's really cheap, when you go to give them a handshake, they won't just take your hand, they'll take your elbow too. And sometimes people who have more are, are very cheap. And so he's trying to teach these folks who have much to learn from these poor folks. There's four levels of giving in the Bible. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, God was telling his people they were cursed because they weren't giving their tithe. I believe the tithe is for the New Testament too. Uh, I think Jesus taught that. He told the Pharisees it was right to give the tithe. And in Malachi 3.8, God says to his people, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed ye thee? In tithes and offerings. I'll say this too. If you're, if you're visiting tonight, you know, this is, missions is kind of a family matter for a church. And so if you're, uh, if you're visiting, if you're not a Christian, if you don't go to this church, uh, you can just sit and say, you know, okay, this is how, this is how church people, this is how families take care of of, uh, of missions. This is how the church family takes care of these things. So I say that because sometimes uh, people get uncomfortable when people talk about money or churches talk about money. If you're just visiting, then you just enjoy the visit. Uh, this is not for you. This is for church people who are trying to do something for the Lord. But I'll say that the, the, below the tithe, God said to these, these supposed his people, supposedly his people, he said, you're robbing from me. And so if a Christian doesn't give his tithe, he's not paying his way. That's clear. You know, some people, I've heard some Christians argue and say, you know, tithing, I don't think that's Bible. I don't think that's New Testament. I think it is. I think there's enough in the Bible that it's, it's pretty clear that it is for the New Testament. But you know what? Even if, even if I wasn't sure, I think I would still err on the side of caution and trust God with my money, wouldn't you? And so the lowest level would be to be below a tithe. And that would be 10% of your income, and that gives us what we have here today, a place where people can be and be in a church. And basically, giving our tithe proves to God we're not thieves and robbers. Of course, after below the tithe is the tithe. Uh, and Malachi says that the tithe is the Lord's. In Leviticus 23, 30, uh, God said, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And so that tithe belongs to God. It's money that belongs to him. In the Old Testament, they use it for the administration of the, the temple, the tabernacle, the priests, all the business that had to be done around uh, God's work there. Uh, in Numbers 18.24, But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore have I said unto them, Among the children of Israel, Israel they shall have no inheritance. So the, the servants of the Lord lived from that. And so in the New Testament, the tithe is used for the daily care of the church. And so when we tithe, we're showing God we're honest, we're paying our share. Uh, I think tithing is good because you're sitting here in a nice church building uh, because you've tithed, because good people have tithed and you can sit here. So tithing is just Christian people paying their way so they can enjoy being in God's house and fellowshipping with God's people. And so that's that. The next above that is there was offerings above the tithe. Even in the Old Testament, there was free will offerings. There was offerings for thanksgiving. Uh, there were some offerings you didn't have to give. There was an offering they collected for the tabernacle. And people weren't forced to give. If you wanted to give, you give. If you didn't want to give, you didn't have to give. And there are, tithe, there are offerings like that in the Bible. And they're above um, what you could give. And they're just, just when you want to be generous to someone. When you want to be helpful. 
one you want to give above what you ought to be giving, being your tithe. And then the last one would be grace giving. And grace giving is praying and getting the mind and heart of God and giving by faith above your tithes and offering something you don't have the ability to give. Anything you do through the grace of God is something you can't do on your own. Anything God gives by grace is something your flesh can't do. Your flesh could never save you and send you to heaven, no matter how hard you tried. You know that if you're saved. And grace giving is similar. It's something you can't do in your flesh if you just try it on your own. It's something that takes God to do a work and answer uh, in order for it to even be possible. So it's not, it's not a line item in your budget. It's saying, God, I don't know how I can do this, but I want to do it. Would you help me? Just like I was talking earlier uh, with someone, sometimes we want to talk to someone about Jesus and we know the Lord would want us to do that, but we feel fearful. Well, praise the Lord, because then the moment you do, you know God's helping you, <laughs> because you can't do it. God, would you help me talk to this person? And then at that moment, you know, God is working in your life, because you've asked him and he, he doesn't leave you stranded. He's a good God, and he wants you and he wants me to operate by faith. The Bible talks about uh, both law and grace. Law and grace. And some people think, you know, the Old Testament law and the New Testament's grace. It, I don't think it's quite so simple, but we certainly know that grace came by Jesus Christ. And so the law, what was the law? Moses, we can think of Moses coming down to those tablets. What was the law? The law was external. It, happen, it happens outside of us. You know, people saw those laws. People realized what was right and wrong when God gave his commandments to Israel. It was on the outside. It's, it's external. It was tablets of stone that said, do this, don't do this. And that was the law. Uh, but we have an old nature, and you know, our nature doesn't like that law. It didn't like it, and Israel didn't like it. And grace was different when the Lord Jesus Christ came. So the law convicted of, of sin, but the law could never save us. And grace is different. Grace starts on the inside. See, people, uh, you can never be saved by doing good works or obeying the law. Uh, you could never do that because the law is external to you, but the Lord Jesus Christ can go inside you and change you from the inside when you accept him, when you uh, allow him to come into your life. So grace is internal. It works from within. It works on the heart, not on tables of stone. And it's written there, and grace works by the Holy Ghost. And grace was received through the Lord Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 117. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth was given by Jesus Christ. So grace was made available through Christ's death on the cross. In, uh, here we read in verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty might be rich. So he, he gave up his life, not only for you to have eternal life, but so that you can have riches in this life in abundance. And one of those riches and one of those graces he wants to do, and one of those incredible things he wants to do, is give you the ability to do something through grace you can't do on your own. Giving is one of those things. So another very nice definition I like about grace given by a man named Gene Burge is grace is God doing something for me or through me that I don't have the ability to do myself. That's grace. Grace is manifested in exchange. So Jesus was rich and he became poor for our sakes. You know, you imagine that God the Son from an eternity past looked from heaven where they worshipped him 
where the, where the ground is paved with gold, and he wanted to come to this poor, humble earth to be ridiculed, underappreciated, mocked, beaten, ignored. And he said, I want to do that. I want to leave this place of perfection, and I want to go to this humble place so that these people can have life. Grace is an exchange that way. And God's grace is through Jesus Christ. And God's way of grace uh, financing uh, what God is doing through the world in missions, I believe, is through grace giving. And I also think that grace giving is also uh, a way to overcome poverty. I really believe that. I don't think we give to be rich, but I think if you treat money right, God will take care of you. I really believe that. God says in these first few verses that they had a rich abundance, although they were in poverty. They gave abundantly, something that's irrational, something we can't understand, and yet I don't believe for a minute God will let his... We know that he won't let his seed beg for bread. He takes care of his people. You think God would ask you for something and then let you, and drop you? If you think the Lord is moving you to do something, why don't you go ahead and do it? You know, God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk through each and every one of us through his spirit. You know, if you, I get this sometimes, I get this often, I get this daily. God says, you need to talk to this person about Jesus. Who, what do you think is happening when that, my, when that idea goes through your head? God's speaking to you. It's not the devil tempting you to witness. So when, when there's something, when all of a sudden you get an idea in your mind, and you know it's a good one, you know, you know it's some, there's something holy, there's something righteous about it, that's God speaking to you. And that's why grace giving, if God puts something on your mind, if you, say, if you beg God and say, God, what would you have me to do? And he shows you, you go ahead and do it. He's a good God and he won't let you down. Verse, this, this verse helped me. It helped me surrender to missions. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I learned of a, about a man who was absolutely delighted. He, uh, he came home, and somebody had robbed all his lamps. If we trust God with all our hearts, in our desires, you know, I, I love that verse. If we trust God, he's saying... You love what I ask you to love. You love my will. You love my work. And I'll change your heart. You think about your life. If you've been saved for any length of time, are there things in your life now you don't like you used to like before you were saved? Are there things that God's maybe taken out of your life because you, because you knew God doesn't want me to have this and you don't like them anymore? You know, there's music I used to really enjoy. I don't enjoy anymore. There's things I used to do. I don't like to do them anymore. Because God's changed me. There's smells I used to like. I don't like anymore. And you know what? There's things I like I never used to like. I love this music we, we, I heard here earlier. I didn't always like it. God will change you. But you have to decide that you're going to delight in Him. And then the things that aren't really worth delighting about, he'll, he'll take those desires away. He's that good. The world doesn't do that. The world says, look at this. You'd be happy if you only had this. And then you get it and you think, no, that, that wasn't so good. But if you decide to delight in God, he'll give you what you want. And then he'll change what you, 
He'll change you to like the things you didn't want. And He'll give you His perfect will. God's good. He doesn't have to give you something that'll give, that, you, that will delight your heart, but He does. He's a good God. That really helped me surrender to missions. If we trust God with our hearts, our desires, He changes them. Uh, and those that are sa- saved here can attest to that. God changes us. I just think that's a great deal, isn't it? We have a good God. So what would it take for you? To, what would it take? What would it take in your life? What do you have to do by faith in your life? Ask the Lord. Is it witnessing to your co-workers? Is it taking your Bible and just leaving it open at your lunch table? Is it uh, going soul winning? It, maybe it's turning down. I, I realize I, I worked... Uh, I had a job where I had to work all kinds of strange hours. I realize sometimes you have to work when you can and, and not be at church. But is it maybe turning down a job opportunity because it'll take you away from, from church, from serving the Lord? Maybe it's a broken friendship. Maybe it's someone you know who's not doing right and you need to talk to them. What would it take for you to do something by faith that you know you can't do? Go ahead, pray, pray to God. If he's showing you something, pray to God. Pray for his help and then go do it. Uh, he will glory in, in your obedience to him. And, and you know what? I, I, could, I tell you, God will not leave you high and dry. Luke 6.38, Jesus promised, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God's a generous God. He loves you. He'll take care of you. So most of the things we do as Christians, the proof of grace giving is this. Most of the things we do as Christians, we do as obedience of God's commands. We know we need to pray. The Bible tells us that. We need to read our Bibles. The Bible tells us that. We, know we need to go soul winning. The Bible tells us that. We need, to, um, we need to tithe. The Bible tells us that. We need to be separated. We need to go to church. We know those things because those things are very clearly laid out. And yesterday I was talking about people who are... <laughs> If you were listening yesterday about having to work sometimes with people who are lazy. You know, none of us like that. And uh, there are people who you've worked with and people you may even be thinking of, and they will never do anything more than what the boss asks. If, if it's not written down, they're not touching it. And uh, what grace giving is, is, is just doing more than the bare minimum as a Christian. Is, is having that real relationship with God where you're prepared to say, where you would by faith say, God, I trust you. What would you want from me? And I'm going to prove it because as you show me things, Lord, I'm going to do them. Whether it's economic, whether it's a decision I need to make, whether it's someone I need to talk to, whatever it is, that is grace. And grace giving is just that. It's just, God, what would you have me to do? And then doing it. It's more than the bare minimum. Like I said, even, in, even Paul himself says, I speak not by commandment. He says, there's no command that I can tell you you need to give to missions, but I think if you have a heart like God's heart, you will. He's telling that to these people. So it's an opportunity for us to prove our love to our Lord. What it does for us is it gives us love. It proves that we love him, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love, uh, just like was, was, read, was uh, written on the board behind me earlier, you can give without loving, but you can't live without, you can't 
love without giving. And so even Paul is saying, you prove your love. Like the world says, put your money where your mouth is. Give to missions. Show, prove your love. Other things it'll do is it'll cause joy. This poverty-stricken church that Paul, these poverty-stricken churches that Paul are talking about had great joy. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah, because the world teaches us joy is found in material, don't they? And yet these poverty-stricken folks had joy. Grace-giving gives joy. So God promises to sustain us also if we give. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will never be your debtor. He's a good God. With that, let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to bless this evening and have a time of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.